With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Prospect Podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I am Ryan Kennedy, senior writer of the Hockey News. Behind the decks, we got Stephen Ellis, who's going to lob questions at me. But as we love to do here, I'm going to start off with a little musical inspiration. This week, I'm going to go with Iron Reagan, a thrash supergroup featuring members of Municipal Waste and Darkest Hour, uh, the drummer. Ryan Dog Harris, who that band actually did a theme song for the Washington Capitals playoff run years ago. You can probably still find it on YouTube if you put like Darkest Hour Washington Capitals. Darkest Hour, one of my favorite hardcore slash metal crossover bands. They're excellent. So I highly recommend Iron Reagan, particularly the music video for Miserable Failure. It is a family favorite in my household. It's hilarious. But we are all here for prospects. Uh, As we always do, I'm going to start off with three players catching my eye right now. I'm going to start off with a recent champion, and that would be Weston Knox from Andover High School in Minnesota. The Huskies just won the Class AA championship, which is the big school championship. Did it in fantastic fashion in double overtime. Weston Knox, the defenseman, actually started the rush that uh, led to the goal. This is a kid that can really break the puck out of his own end. Uh, Fantastic hands, uh, very sort of high threshold uh, for pressure, and just committed to Air Force, which is very interesting because we don't see a lot of high-end players necessarily you know, go to the military institutions in the NCAA. But Weston Knox is a draft pr- prospect for the 2022 draft. It'll be very interesting to see where he goes and uh, and sort of what his future is. It'll be a very interesting path there. Uh, next player, also a defenseman, Callie Odelius from Jurgerden in Sweden. Now, this is an intriguing player because talking to scouts and teams, some scouts still aren't sure what kind of defenseman they think Odelius will be at the next level because he's a great skater and he has excellent hockey sense. But, you know, some teams wonder, is he a Kale McCarr type or would he be better served using his IQ in a defensive capacity and being more sort of on the the Nick Letty sort of uh, side of things, which I know doesn't sound as high-end as Kale McCarr, obviously, but Nick Letty has been a very effective defenseman. Uh, during his career. Uh, some teams see Odelius as a potential first rounder, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Last player I'm going to mention, and this is something else that came up in my scouting talks, uh, Reed Schaefer from the WHL's Seattle Thunderbirds. Big left winger, lots of scoring potential. Uh, talking to one scout, he said to me, you'd have to be dumb not to see that Reed Schaefer is 
working his way up draft boards right now. Um, you know, the Thunderbirds have a lot of good talent. Uh, Schaefer, he's a late 03 birthday, but he's been really solid for them. And I think because of the physical package he brings to the table, you're going to get some really intrigued teams there in that sort of top 40, top 50. Could he even be a first rounder? I'm not sure, but there's a lot of potential there. So pretty fun. Uh, now we will get to your reader questions and, uh, having been privy to them, I know we have some awesome questions this week. So Steven hit me with the first one. Well, I think the most important one is what do you think, what are your thoughts on all the great hair of the Minnesota high school tournament? Yeah. Uh, again, fantastic year. And we've all seen the, uh, the official Minnesota hockey hair video. It's always excellent. Uh, I always like when teams go with themes and, uh, Andover, uh, who Weston Knox plays for, uh, they had a bunch of kids that did like the bleached blonde hair. So I, I always like when there's a theme. So yeah, definitely there's amazing hair. And it's to the point now where the kids know there's an expectation. So it's fun to see them kind of live up to it. It's a hair model show with some hockey involved. In it. With some so hockey, some yes. yes. So it's, all, it's good hockey, but sometimes it is. Yeah, and shout out to Hermantown for winning the small school, the, the Class A one. Uh, awesome game against War Road, uh, where he had Zamplant versus Damon Gardner. Uh, Zamplant had two goals in the 3-2 win, including the game winner. So, uh, yeah, big time for the Hawks. All right, well, our first question today uh, is from Dude Dude, spelled two different ways. What type of player is a team getting in Ty Nelson? Yeah, so Ty Nelson, uh, star with the North Bay Battalion in the OHL 2022 draft prospect. You know, I mean, he looks like an offensive defenseman, and I think that will be sort of the key to the next level for him. But I will say he's a pretty strong kid, even though he's not tall, and his defense is better than a lot of people might expect. So you're not getting a one-dimensional offensive defenseman. You're getting a kid that will give you the skills and you know the power play acumen that you want at the next level. He'll rack up some points. But he's not going to be a liability necessarily in his own zone. And I think, you know, as he matures, that side of his game will get even better. But right now you're getting, you know, I would say an offensive defenseman with uh, some pretty defensive, pretty decent defensive aspects to his game. Cameron Cyrus, hard enough to say apparently, uh, which overage players are worth knowing about? Yeah, so I'm going to take this as uh, overage players eligible for the draft. Uh, hopefully I have that correct. So interesting because I uh, just saw a story before we were filming out of Quebec. Uh, Miguel Turini, uh, an overager in the Quebec League. Uh, apparently the Montreal Canadiens are very intrigued by him. So just dropping that there. Uh, but two players that I'm really keeping an eye on. Uh, the first one is Lucas Edmonds from the Kingston Frontenacs. And he's interesting because he's still draft eligible, uh, even though he's 20 turning 21. He might even be 21 by now. Uh, because technically he's a European player. Um, he's Swedish background, but also kind of Canadian. And so a very interesting uh, backstory there. But he's been awesome for the Frontenacs, pointing, putting up a ton of points. And, you know, talking to scouts, they were saying to me, you know, with Edmonds, he's kind of like Yannick Moser that was taken by Arizona last year. A player passed over before, but, you know, having a great season. Somebody that could step almost into your lineup right away. Like, you want him to go to a team where there's not a lot of guys ahead of him because 
you want to see what he can do pretty much right away. If not in the AHL, then maybe even some games in the in the NHL. Obviously, you probably want to go AHL first, but that's sort of what we're talking about there. Uh, the other player I'll mention is Stephen Halliday, who is somebody I know Stephen and I have followed for years now, playing for Dubuque in the USHL. And, um, you know, skating was always a big sort of drawback on him and, and one of the big reasons he didn't get drafted in the past. But his skating has dramatically improved this season. He's been one of the most dangerous players in the USHL. And, you know, he's got the great size. And, you know, he's got a scoring touch for sure. Not the most physical player, and that's still a knock. But now that he can move, you're looking at a big guy that can score and move, committed to Ohio State. And um, I I think he would, you know, he's going to make an impact on the Buckeyes next season. So it'll be fun to see what he can do there. But, you know, talking to scouts, you know, they're pretty sure he's going to get drafted this year. Now, is it fourth round? Is it sixth round? Who knows? It's always tough to say with overagers. But he's got enough tools and he's shown enough in the USHL this season that teams are coming around on him. Unrelated from hockey, but the Russian Foreign Affairs Ministry published a list of people of Canadians banned from Russia. And there's someone named Stephen Ellis there. So I, wow. I don't know if that's probably not. Too bad for you. That's like, well, dang, I've said some good things about Askarov. So I don't know about that one. Yeah, really. Uh, speaking of uh, KHL, KHL Wings 1. More of a speculative question, but could you see teams trying to yank prospects out of the KHL for next season with everything going on? Mm. So it's obviously a very complicated process right now. And I don't think teams can yank their prospects out. But what I do think we will see is teams discouraging players from going back home uh, or even going back for you know a, a season or two in the KHL. Um, just because of the uncertainty, you know, a, a contract is a contract. So, you know, uh, we've talked a lot about Mattia Mitchkoff, the, the 2023 draft prospect, you know, he's under contract with SKA St. Petersburg until 2026. There's nothing you can really do about that right now in terms of international hockey. But, you know, if you're looking at players that maybe are over here as imports where they don't have a contract, you know, sometimes we'll see those players go back to Russia for a a season or two, um, you know, just to get, you know, experience against men. And maybe, you know, they want to be home a little bit longer before they start their pro careers. Um, I would think that we'll see teams say to players, look, you know, we prefer to have you over here where we know, um, you know, what the situation is contract wise. Um, You know, we we can come watch you uh, because right now, I mean, like the border situation is obviously um, tremendously uh, difficult for everybody, uh, not just hockey scouts and, and, and team personnel. Um, but, you know, having said that, I think that there are going to be situations that work out for both teams. And, you know, I just got back from New Jersey doing a big story on the Devils that'll be coming out soon. And, you know, speaking with the Devils, they have Shakir Mukamadulin, um, you know, the the great young defenseman who plays for Salavat Uleyev Ufa right now in Russia. And what I was told, you know, by the Devils is that he'll probably play one more season with Ufa um, because it is a good development spot for him and they are a good team. And the Devils have a pretty good relationship there where, the, you know, there's a good amount of trust. So, you know, I think in certain situations, things can be quote unquote normal. But I do think there's going to be a lot of caution with NHL teams 
in terms of both drafting Russian players and knowing what their contract status is because it's getting more murky now that normal relations have been broken off between North America and Russia. We will have another question about Russia later, but to go to Finland, Kyle Haston asks, what's the deal with Brad Lambert? Tons of scoring, but nothing to really show for. Yeah, it's been a tough year for Lambert. And, you know, he moved from JYP to Pelicans midseason. And, and, you know, at the time it was like, OK, maybe he needs a bit of a fresh start because he's not producing too much. And he had such a great underage year that expectations were quite high. But, you know, talking to scouts over in Finland, they're not all sold on his game. And I think they'd like to see a lot more consistency from him offensively. And, you know, unfortunately, the move to Lati and, and the Pelicans hasn't produced more offense uh, for Lambert. So, you know, it's it's going to be tough down the stretch for him. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's an 03 birthday so he can't play at the under-18s. Uh, he can play at the World Juniors again, but that's not till August, so that's after the draft. Um, he did look good early on at the World Juniors in the first couple of games that they did get to play. Against Germany and Austria, to be Against fair. Against Germany and Austria, to be fair. Uh, but he did produce. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's going to be very interesting to see in the draft. You know, if you're a believer, then, you know, we've seen him play very well in the past, but... Did he just kind of hit a plateau? And I, I think that Lambert needs to find another gear to his game right now. And it's going to be tough because, you know, they're playing very meaningful hockey <laughs> in Finland right now. But, you know, he's he doesn't have a lot of opportunities from here on out. European teams, uh, especially when it comes to top prospects, typically aren't greatest at giving ice time to those prospects because they're trying to win. They're That's not, right. They're it's not, not their job. F- it's not their job to develop players for other teams yeah. in the future. So they want to go out there and win. So if Brad Lambert's not playing well, he's not going to get the opportunities. We saw it with Lucas Raymond. Obviously, Lucas Raymond's been a pretty good player yep. for Detroit. But that was kind of what was going on there when in Sweden. Um, Mysterious Eggs asks, outside of Bedard and Mitchkov, which 2023 draft prospects are looking like real talents right now? Mm. Well, you know, it's looking like a really nice class. It's very exciting right now. And, you know, I would start off with Adam Fantilli from uh, the Chicago Steel in the USHL. You know, scouts are describing him as a unicorn because he's got the size, he's got the skating, he's got the skill, like he's got the whole package. And he's had great experience already uh, with Chicago where he's really sort of rounded out his game. And also, you know, what scouts are very excited about is that he's thinking the game at a higher level than we, when he first arrived with the steel. And, you know, that's a program that has been like a development factory lately. Like so many good players and prospects have gone through that Chicago team just in the past couple of seasons. And I think that's really helped Fantilli to be surrounded by other good older players. And now he's like the guy on that team, along with players like Jackson Blake and Sam Lipkin. So, you know, Fantilli, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes second overall behind Connor Bedard right now because of Mitchkoff's contract status. You know, Fantilli, um, you know, Michigan commit. So big check mark there. And, you know, he's already been a champion in the USHL and he was the playoff MVP at that. And that was last year. So that was pretty impressive. So Fantilli right at the top. Uh, Dalibor Dvorsky from Slovakia is a player that we've talked about quite a bit in the past calendar year. Uh, obviously had the huge Holinka Gretzky tournament. He's been playing in Sweden with AIK. I know they're very high on him. Um, you know, did an interview 
with AIK for Future Watch. So look for that in a couple of weeks when Future Watch hits shelves. It's going to be a Dalibor Dvorsky feature for the 2023 draft. And then um, the final email mention is Charlie Stramel, uh, who missed most of the campaign, at least the first half, for the NCDP. Uh, so he's still getting up to speed, but this kid has big time size and he's plays a nasty game. He's aggressive out there and he's got talent. So I'm very intrigued to see where his career leads him in the next kind of eight months, 12 months, because he has such a great frame to build off and he, ha- he has that strength already. He could be that sort of nasty power forward and he's a center so um, i believe he's a wisconsin commit um i have a lot of fun watching charlie stramel so he'd be another one to watch for um and then also uh we mentioned this on the game of the week matthew wood that plays for the victoria grizzlies in the bchl you know leading that league in scoring as an 05 birthday uh he's another kid really nice size great hands and escapability uh, so, you know, still kind of raw, but very intriguing. He's a University of Connecticut commit. There's been a lot of talk about how the 2022 draft's pretty solid, but the 2023 draft might be better. Do you kind of view it that way? Right now I do, yeah. And, you know, you always kind of have to fill out the draft board, but if you're looking at the high end, you know, it's, it's not hard to look at the top five, sort of top 10 for 2023, and you toss in names like Cal Ritchie from Oshawa, and you look at, you know, Quentin Musty from Sudbury. And then, you know, you got like uh, Theo Lindstein uh, from Sweden and uh, Lucas Carlson from Sweden. It's going to be a fun year. Uh, so, you know, when you already are hearing these names bubble up, it's always a good sign for me. You know, Tyler Peddle uh, out of the queue. And then, you know. You got guys like Braden Yeager, uh, who I probably should have mentioned earlier, actually, because Braden Yeager, a fantastic center for the Mushaw Warriors. You got Riley Height and uh, Cone Zemer out in Prince George. Like the names are already flowing pretty nice for 2023, and that's usually a good sign. Yeah. Is it the thing about a good draft is it's got to be way more than just a top 10? It, yeah. Like the, the rest of the first round's got to be good. You got to find some value in the second round. And obviously, the, the, the value will drop. Farley go in the draft, but it seems like 2022 and 2023 in particular have pretty good depth, and I like that. So 2023 is going to be a lot of fun, and it's definitely something to watch for the NHL trade deadline. For sure. All right. The next question comes from Darius. And I like this one a lot. How early on do NHL teams start scouting players? Like how many years in advance? Mm-hmm. So the key people here are the regional scouts that NHL teams employ. You know, these are the folks that, you know, center in on, you know, the OHL or, you know, uh, certain parts of the U.S. And, and, you know, things like that. They're watching the whole team. And, you know, that could also include overagers. You know, I talked to an OHL scout one time and he said, yeah, people ask me who I'm watching tonight. And I say, well, everyone that has skates on, because you never know. Your GM might ask you for trade bait uh, or, you know, there might be free agents you watch for. So on the young end, you know, you're looking at kids that, you know, even if they're a rookie in your league, you're going to have a bit of a book on them. And obviously you're concentrating more so on that year's draft, but you have to have an eye for the future because when you're looking at those kids, you want to have kind of a timeline to say, where are they coming from? 
and where did they get to within just that year? How much did they grow? How much can they still grow? You know, did they hit a wall after Christmas or did they take off after Christmas? These are all important things that you put into that big sort of puzzle at the end. So, you know, having a book on them early obviously helps out a lot. And that's something that we've seen, you know, it's really sort of hurt OHL scouts this year is that they didn't have that for last year's rookies because there's no OHL season. You know, you're looking at a lot of players that just didn't have a rookie campaign. You know, you think about guys like Ty Nelson and Panofemis and David Goyette, you know, when you're looking at them now, you're saying, okay, well, this is what they were, but you don't have an idea of what they would have been last year. Uh, So you can't see that growth as well as you might have in previous years. So it's unfortunate, uh, but I mean, everybody's sort of playing with the same pool of players. So it's, it's an even playing field, but yeah, your regional guys in particular will start looking at guys in junior. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some keeners that will also look at the U16 level. You know, you'll go to the, you might go to the OHL cup and and see who's the next up. Uh, But you kind of build up to that draft year. That was one where like, I I used to spend a lot of time in rinks where I'd cover uh, or I do like video for like U14 or U13 tournaments. And then a guy like Fantilli would show up and be like dominant. It's like, okay, you can tell this guy is going to be really good or shit. Yeah. Like, same thing like that. So it's kind of that. And it, it, honestly, like it might sound kind of stupid, but like sometimes the best sources of information are like the parents of, of not of the players, but of like that are, at, like, they got kids in the age group. Yeah. Because it's like Shane Wright's name. I remember the first time I ever had, had anyone mention that to him, me was, he was 12. Right, or, it's like like the kid was so young, and then he's ended up becoming this really good player. It's like the yeah. parents can get a good view of it. Um, but then you get sometimes where in Europe, uh, you'll get guys who are like tw- three, four, five years out of the draft that are already trying out the Finnish like U sixteen team or the Russian U sixteen team. Yeah, and that gives you kind of an idea on who some of these guys are too. Exactly. So it it really kind of just depends on where you, kind of the area. But it's also you bring up a good point. It's like when you go to the games. You know, you kind of go there not just to watch one guy in particular. You, you want to watch everyone because that's where you find the value. Exactly. I mean, if somebody catches your eye, then make a note of it because you never know. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of key with those underage players is like, oh, okay, well, if they're already making plays, you know, in their rookie season, then what, what's that going to mean once they get an entire other year of experience, have a big summer where they hit the gym and, you know, train. Um, so, yeah, you just, you just got to keep an eye on these. You can go to a Kingston game and see Shane Wright play great. And you'll, any game you'll see him play, he'll probably play well. But yeah. you got to find the value on that team. Yeah, like, it's got to sure. be more than just Shane Wright. Also, adds a lot more context. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question comes from Pro Nublet. Sounds like a gamer. What are the Ducks getting in Drew Hellison? Yeah. So obviously, Drew Hellison was the the sort of big prize in the Josh Manson trade uh, with Colorado. Drew Hellison. He's been a really good college player with Boston College. Uh, you know, good size, moves well. You know, I would describe him as like a two-way player. You know, his offense has really come around with uh, the Eagles this season. You know, he's an NTDP product, so you know you're getting a kid that's, you know, pretty strong and athletic. I, You know, at the NHL level, I think he definitely has like, you know, he's maybe like a four or a five at the end of the day. I think he could be a really good complimentary kind of defenseman, like a guy where, yes, you know, he can move up the ice, but if you paired him with somebody that really likes to go, uh, that's more offensively inclined, he can be that guy that's sort of 
more stable. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know which way they shoot, but, you know, like I, I think, you know, ooh, would a Jamie Drysdale, Drew Hellison pairing be kind of fun in the future? Uh, and obviously in that situation, you're, you're looking at Hellison as, you know, more of a, a top uh, two pairing guy. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty... I'm pretty stoked about Drew Hellison. And he did play for the American Olympic team, if I'm not mistaken. He did. So, obviously pretty mature there as well. He's pretty good there too. So. Yeah. Uh, the young guys were fun to watch on that team. I, I kind of wish we could have seen a bit more of that America team because there's the young talent was good. Matty Beniers was surprisingly one of the least impactful players for most of that tournament. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's tough because you're going into a very restricted – sort of foreign environment that you're not used to, um, you know, because it was this this tight bubble and, you know, you've got these guys, these veterans coming from Europe to play on your team and then you've got all these college guys who you probably have some familiarity with, you know, some more than others. And, uh, and then you're playing competition that in most cases you've never seen before. So tough for the young guys, but I'm sure a fun experience overall. For sure. It's not like those guys expected to be teenagers or young young adults expected to play in the olympics exactly Some of those guys probably never thought they'd play american national team ever again it's true so pretty cool yeah. all right next question comes from ruski ivan miroshenchenko's health definitely will drop him uh very sad to kind of hear the, the news there but what about his game still makes him an interesting prospect that teams might want to take a look at yeah, so Ivan Miroshnichenko, uh, obviously diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, and uh, we wish him all the best. I believe the other day he actually got to do a little Zoom call with Mario Lemieux, uh, who had the uh, the same affliction. So uh, hopefully that sort of raised Miroshnichenko's spirits a bit. Um, you know, in Miroshnichenko, you're getting a very powerful, strong young man uh, who can score goals and and play really aggressive? You know, I watched him quite a few times in the uh, the VHL this season, which is kind of Russia's AHL. So he's playing against men, and he finishes all his hits, and I like that out of a young guy. And you know, towards the end, before he got sick, he was really asserting himself. He was becoming more of a goal scorer. So you know, as long as everything goes well, and we hope that it does, and and he's healthy. You're getting a pretty enticing offensive player um, with some some nice power elements. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes because not only do you have the the cancer diagnosis, but you also have the Russian factor of you know will he be able to come over and how fast will he be able to come over if you wanted him here. So in terms of where he goes in the draft, I think that's going to be very fascinating. But I don't know. I've, I I know people were down on him earlier in the season, but I still see a lot of good things in his game. So I'm I'm pretty bullish on him. And uh, the final question comes from Craw. Any other NCAA unsigned free agents to keep an eye on? Yeah. So I I guess you're talking about ones who have not signed yet because we have seen a trickle of yes. guys already. Um, the number one prize is Ben Myers from the University of Minnesota. Uh, played on the U.S. Olympic team. It was very good there. Was very good. He was a fast guy. He's like 200 pounds already. Great motor, great hands. He was always, you know, I, I talking to an NHL scout. I was like, so why wasn't he drafted? And he was like, well, he was always one of those guys that was just kind of considered a sixth or seventh rounder when he was, you know, coming up through the USHL. So it just didn't quite happen, but he's steadily gotten better and better. And now uh, he was actually uh, just named, I believe, Big Ten Player of the Year. I think that just came out. 
Uh, and yeah, he's obviously been fantastic for the Gophers. So he's kind of the big prize. And then you got Mark McLaughlin uh, from Boston College, another U.S. Olympian, more of a two-way guy. Um, you know, he's won conference defensive forward of the year before. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's got some offense to his game. But, you know, you're looking at a guy that can be kind of maybe like your third line center, that sort of thing, or, you know, a bottom six guy. I always point out, you know, with temper expectations with NCAA free agents. Like if you can get a player that plays on your NHL roster, that's awesome. Um, because, I mean, if they were super high end, they probably would have been drafted. Um, last player I'll mention, because there's a whole bunch out there, but um, Bobby Trevino from UMass, the left winger, you know, gutsy kid, you know, not a ton of size, but he goes all out every shift. You know, he's already won a national championship. You know, this is sort of the coach's dream guy where if you're protecting a lead in the last minute, you put Trevino out there because you know he's going to do everything he can to get you and to preserve that win. So I think Trevino is probably going to get a lot of interest just because, you know, he's a feisty kid. And you kind of know what his game's going to be. He's going to be a bottom six guy for you, but he could be a pretty valuable one. Okay, that's it. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for all your questions. Once again, we are brought to you by BetMGM. Listen to Iron Reagan. I am Ryan Kennedy. That's Stephen Ellis. Thanks for joining us.